Welcome back to Lauer After Hours Presents Cinema. It's a new podcast series we're doing where we establish if a movie is worth it. Um, in order to qualify for cinema, you have to be a 69% on Rotten Tomatoes or a 6.9 stars on IMDb. Tonight's nice. installment is the 1985 classic sports drama Rocky IV. Wow. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, this is at Beep Count on Twitter. Tonight I am joined uh, by Jeanette down in Southern California. And I've also got Schweitz up in Canada. What's up, guys? How's it going? Fantastic. Can't wait to start the review of this uh, this movie. Um, Masterpiece, right? Masterpiece. I think we kind of have to wait till the end and, and, and kind of give that away. We don't want to. You know, otherwise, like, what's the point of the pot if we just say it right away? You, you know? know what? Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, if, right. if you want to, if you want to end it now, we could just be like, my review is. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. All right. So, Rocky IV, uh, released in 1985, uh, 40% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, uh, 75% from users, uh, and it rated a 6.9 stars on IMDb with nice. just over 190,000 votes. Yeah. Of those 190,000 votes, how many do you think were from Stugats? 13,000. <laughs> 420. <laughs> All right. So yes. this one has a runtime of 91 minutes. That is an hour and 31 minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, this one was directed by, uh, by the main star himself, Sylvester Stallone. Dual yeah. threat. Dual threat. Um, and also, he uh, wrote this as well. So not Triple only did threat. he... Yeah. He wrote it, directed acting, um, which he did for pretty much all of the Rockies. Um, the Academy Award winning. Academy Award winning Rocky series. Yeah. Um, let's get into this here. So uh, obviously, we have Sylvester Stallone in this one uh, as uh, Rocky Balboa. Uh, we have uh, Talia Shire, uh, who is Adrian, uh, which I didn't know uh, until doing the research on this, that she was actually born uh, Talia Coppola, Francis mm. Ford Coppola, Nicholas Coppola, a.k.a. Nicholas Cage. A lot of tie-ins there. Uh, we also in have, The Godfather. Yeah, that's exactly why she's in The Godfather. Uh, we also have Burt Young as, uh, as Pauly, Carl Weathers as Apollo Creed, uh, Bridget Nelson as Ludmila Drago. Uh, we have Dolph Lundgren as Ivan Drago. Uh, Tony Burton as Duke, one of my favorite characters, I think, in any um, you know kind of franchise ever. Tony Burton. We have Michael Pataki as Nikolai Kolkov, and that basically rounds out the 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 meat of of our cast here. Let's not going to pass not going to pass a Bechtel test. No. <laughs> no, um, we're going to get into the taglines for the movie here. I'm a little disappointed that there was a lot that they could have done with these taglines, but they all obviously kind of just are. It's all about war, right? Get ready for the next world war. Wait, can you can you do them in Sylvester Stallone's Rocky voice? Uh, yeah, yeah. Get ready for the next world war. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing at war, but oh my gosh. <laughs> what is it good for? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Say it again now. Oh. Oh, God. Oh. 
uh, The War, November 27th, which I guess that's when this movie was actually released, was November 27th. Um, Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, here's another the fact one. fact that it wasn't July 4th is a, is a stunner. Right? Yeah. Uh, when East meets West, the champion remains standing. He's facing the ultimate challenge and fighting for his life. And then last one, I, I really don't know what to do with this one, but we'll read it anyway. He could have stopped the fight. He could have saved his best friend's life. But now, the only thing he can't do is walk away. Spoiler. <laughs> right? Also, that makes it sound like he's paralyzed. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this isn't blood sport. That's like, just half of his face is paralyzed. And that that's just a birth defect. That's something that happened at birth. He's not actually paralyzed. Like, he, he could have get up and walk away. Wow. Yeah. All right. Soundtrack. Um, one of my favorite soundtracks in the history of cinema. Um, when I was playing hockey... Uh, I had at least three of these songs on our um, locker room playlist. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, uh, of course, it opens up with I, the Tiger by Survivor, which was actually written for this film. Um, then we also have One Way Street per, uh, performed by Go West, Double or Nothing by Kenny Loggins and Gladys Knight, minus the pips, uh, Living in America, of course, by the Godfather of Soul himself, Mr. James Brown. All right, um, R.I.P. in peace. Then we have No Easy Way Out. Uh, Robert Tepes. No, excuse me, Tepper. <laughs> Tepes. Tepes. Give it to us again. Teppers. 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 Robert Tepper. Robert Tepper. Kirk. Robert. Kirk. Then we have Burning Heart by a Survivor. Um, we also have courtesy of EMI America Records, the Chipmunk song. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, 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 yeah. yes. Uh, we also have Hearts on Fire, uh, performed by John Cafferty. We have the Sweetest Victory by Mark Torian, um, and then of course, just uncredited, we have on the soundtrack for you know no apparent reason the state anthem of the Soviet Union. True that. Okay. Who, who um, gets the royalties for that? Putin. Does a retro back to him when we? You know, I think Uh, this is going to go back just to the United Soviet Union, the ROC. Oh, the Rock. Nice. (laughs) The Rock. Which, you know what? (laughs) That one unfortunately does not make the list. Um, It's too good. It is too good or too bad. I'm not sure. Um, but we do have a few uh, Nicolas Cage movies on here that are going to be future cinemas, so stay tuned and uh, and check those out. By the um, way, I'm just going to point this out. Speaking of The Rock, it's one of my wife's and my favorite movies. Fun game to play is you say all of Sean Connery's lines in Nicolas Cage's voice and vice versa. So all of Nicolas Cage's one-liners in Sean Connery's accent, and it's just really enjoyable. Do that on your own at home. Continue. Do you have a limited fake Sean Connery or Nicolas Cage? Uh, I mean, doesn't everybody? Just well, I want to hear the Nicolas Cage one. Well, Mac. No, that was not it. <laughs> I'm leaving all this in. Please do. <laughs> I put myself on the spot now. 
No, you didn't ask for any of this. Or did you? You were trying to be helpful and like give like a, hey, this is what my wife and I enjoy doing. And then, it, you know, you Chris Cody'd yourself somehow. I did. I saw. <laughs> See, it, I guess it's doing all of Nicolas Cage's lines and Sean Connery's accent is what makes more sense. Yeah. What in the name of Zeus's butthole did you get out of here? No. <laughs> that one doesn't work either. I'm tired. <laughs> there, there is one line um, from The Rock that just it it always sticks sticks with me. You're best. Losers go home and complain about that best. Winners go home and bleep the prom queen. Gina was the prom queen. Oh, that's a much yeah. better Nicholas Cage. Okay, now reverse <laughs> yeah. the roles. Go. Your best winners. Well, bleep it. It's, it's not <laughs> You're going to cut it. (laughs) Anyway, moving on. All right, let's get right into it. So we have Rocky Four opening up. We have these uh, CGI two metallic gloves turning and facing each other, one with the stars and stripes, one with the hammer and sickle. And spoiler alert, the Russian glove or the, excuse me, uh, the Soviet glove explodes. I, know. I, I don't know if that's foreshadowing, um, but it explodes. Uh, and it's all backed by uh, Survivor's Eye of the Tiger. So, yeah. Um, and, of course, this kind of goes into the whole uh, Rocky series where it takes like the last four or five minutes from the previous film and puts it as a beginning of this film, which makes for playing, um, you know, one, two, three, four, and five, back to back to back to back to back on AMC on you know random Sunday afternoon. Pretty easy because they just run the credits as that last three or four minutes is going. Um, so we can acknowledge Rocky Five. I thought it didn't exist. Oh no, I was talking about Rocky Balboa. Okay, just yeah, just just a second. Cool. Um, so in this one here, obviously this ends or this begins with the ending of number three, where in the third round. Rocky Balboa knocks out uh, Clubber Lang, um, and then it goes into uh, Rocky and Apollo um, kind of sparring in a bit. Uh, Rocky is paying off a, a debt to Apollo. Kind of a fun little back and forth, a little bit of a banter there. Um, I like the um, the line, "You move good for an older guy." I, I think th- I think we're t- this is going to be just littered with with really bad Sylvester Stallone impressions. So just bear with us. Um, but you move good for an older guy. I think what, if what you're you? re- if you're reviewing a Sylvester Stallone movie and someone on a podcast doesn't have a limited fake Sylvester, it's like don't even hit the record button. Go and you know look at I don't know. Uh, some other movie it's like you you it has to be in there it, it pays off you know um so when i was watching that fighting training montage that they were doing um and they're you know they're entering the ring and they're getting ready to start out like what was the baby lotion budget for this movie because to me i was like that right away struck me i'm like this is going to be carried over throughout the film <laughs> like what percentage of the budget went to just dapping these guys up to just, you know, give the most sh- enhance their muscles under the spotlights. If I had to venture a guess, I would say that's probably just the bacon grease from craft services from that morning. Uh, that they just kind of use it, you know, like a repurposing. Um, yeah. Pa- like pancetta. 
Yeah, the when, little pancetta. When, when they're making the carbonara. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like um, a mama used to make. Oh. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so we're we're getting into the um, the boxing ring here with uh, with Apollo, and we have Rocky. Uh, they're kind of going back and forth. You want to ruin the bell? Ding, ding. Um, and it ends with a, a furious uh, double overhand rights from both uh, Apollo and Rocky, and it just kind of stops right there. Uh, and you're going to mm-hmm. see a lot of these kind of pauses. Um, it's kind of a, a signature of Sylvester Stallone throughout the entire Rocky series where he just stops. A, another signature of the Rocky series that is very you know, sort of jarring once you realize it, especially as a formidable teenager is that there is no blocking ever in any of these movies. Nobody blocks a punch ever just directly to the face or body every shot. Yeah. Um, You know, the best defense is a great offense or it's an even better offense. What good offenses beat bad defenses? I, I don't know. But if he dies, he dies. (laughs) <laughs> too soon. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. So, um, I had never, this is the first time I watched this movie. So, the, so when I saw that first freeze frame, I thought my TV was buffering. I'm like, my Wi-Fi, my HBO Max. Oh my God. And then when it went to the next scene and I was just like, Oh, okay. I'm like, that's intentional. I'm like, do I have to go back? I was like, damn, HBO Max. I was about to cancel right then and there. <laughs> I'm like, I'm five minutes in. What is this? Like, oh, no. No. That's that, that's that, that's him in, in all the Rockies. Uh, do yourself a favor. Just go back and watch the other, you know, the other three. Yeah, they're, they're all really... on HBO Max. That yeah. whole the whole Rocky series is on there. So. Yeah. Um, so we're now into... Uh, past the preamble here, we see Rocky driving up in this, you know, hot sports car. Is it a Lamborghini? Is it a Ferrari? I'm not really too sure. Um, I didn't really see any emblems emblems on there, but all we see is the license plate there. It says Southpaw. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we pull up there, uh, we've got uh, his son with the video camera um, zooming in on his face in black and white. For some reason, because 1985, I guess he wasn't rich enough to have a a color VHS camcorder. So, not really too sure how that happened. Uh, but he could afford, um, you know, that house and that car, but not the uh, not the camcorder. So, probably not a sponsor like one of his sponsors. So he just had to pick whatever was at the store. Uh, and his son, uh, Rocky Jr., uh, played by Rocky Krakow. <laughs> That's not a real name. Which one, Rocky or Krakow? The combination of the two. That's a, that's a stage name if I ever heard one. I uh, wonder how he got hired. Yeah. Is that like the Joe Theismann, Theismann thing? It's like, oh, I'm going to go in as Rocky Krakow. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a 90s cartoon character. It does, right? Is he going to be the raccoon? No, he's... From the Flintstones, he's one of like Pebbles' friends in daycare. He's nice. he's competing against Bam Bam for Pebbles' affection. Is, he, is he the hot shot? 
is he the hot shot with like the um you know the the up updo and you know spiky hair yes he would he would be whatever the opposite bam bam is so he would be like a snooty kind of like rich uh kid in bedrock and then he was supposed to probably have a date with pebbles or like a play date and then they canceled it and she was broken hearted right and then bam bam came and like consoled her and thus kind of ensuring that they would be together forever i i, I see the kid wearing like his latigre pelt tied around his neck <laughs> that's real saber tooth yeah that, that is real saber tooth your dad couldn't afford this hmm <laughs> um all right Clams. so <laughs> moving moving on so he is getting into the house and here is uh uncle Polly sitting there at the uh at the table and apparently it's it's uh uncle Polly's birthday um so happy, happy birthday, birthday yeah. to him i don't care good luck <laughs> he's got a birthday cake with his face on it which that's actually kind of impressive to make that face look you know kind of appetizing he is an ugly man. He is not good looking. Not even a little bit. Um, and you know what? Burt Young, still with us. Mm. Still with us. Uh, recently in, um, I don't know if you guys saw that 19-hour movie on Netflix. What was it? Was he in that one? Am I am I getting fooled by the internet? I, I have no idea. What Wasn't it Last the one? Thing- Last thing I saw him in, uh, I rewatched The Sopranos during the pandemic, and he has a, a small role in there somewhere. What am I thinking of? The Irishman? No. That's a 19-hour movie on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking it up. I'm wrong. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, but Burt Young still uh, still with us, but very Burt old um, in uh, in some of these pictures <laughs> I'm seeing. Uh, and he's kind of pissed off that uh that that rocky showed up a little bit late um to his own house um where you're a guest so yeah good good for you Polly. and he brings out a present and it is um this robot uh we're not sure what this is because all we see is the the wheels moving forward we hear this 1985 you know Hardcore, futuristic, futuristic de- disco techno from 1985. Um, and then we hear in computerese robot voice, happy birthday, Polly. What is the thing? It's a psycho. And apparently that's actually the, the robot's name, Psycho. Or if we're going off of the recently announced uh, director's cut, Sicko, because uh, they have actually cut the robot from uh, the director's cut. So for me, when I finally got to see the the robot, like they did the reveal, it I associated with the robot that Screech had on Saved by the Bell, Kevin, because it had a lot of the similar um, characteristics, the voice and the movements and uh, the face. And then I also was like, was this the goal of like the 1980s for the Nouveau Riche? Right to have a robot butler instead of actually having to pay someone to be your butler, it's like no, we're going to show off our opulent wealth and just have 
an animatronic butler, a robotic butler. Or we'll hire a real butler, but dress him in a robot suit. (laughs) (laughs) Or it could be uh, Rosie from the Jetsons. The first robot butler. She was great. She was a maid, yeah, but... So yeah. was this, did this come out after Revenge of the Nerds? Because Revenge of the Nerds is the first time I remember seeing the sort of a robot butler role. It's a little bit different, but that's the earliest one I remember. Yes, Revenge of the Nerds was 84, so. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, w- which one's going to be better? Is it going to be Sicko or is it going to be Revenge of the Nerds? Uh, I don't know. Sicko is much bigger and scarier, so I like Sicko. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Scary for now. <laughs> Scary for now. Um, <laughs> Halloween costume for you, you people that are still looking out there. It's a, it's a good one. <laughs> you know what? That would, that I don't think would be too difficult. You just got to get like a, a couple of big punch bowls. You know, cut a, a head hole out and put your head in it. Yeah. And a flashlight in the middle. Yeah, a flashlight in the middle, and then just uh, you know, like like a silver jumpsuit with some. Uh, um, dryer hoses for your arms. Yeah, that's easy. Mayor Matt, she said flashlight. Flashlight. Oh, no. <laughs> hey <Hey-o. laughs> right, so now we're moving on. So we uh, are now outside in Apollo Creed's pool, and he's out there playing with his dogs. He's got the, the 13-inch TV in color um, right there poolside. Can't hide money. Can't hide that money. Um, <laughs> the other thing that you can't hide is that weak ass arm that he's got tossing the tennis balls to the dogs. I mean, did you see that? Just, uh, uh. it's like, I mean, come on. If if you're actually going to throw a ball, throw a ball. Don't just, bah, oh oh oh, throw a ball. No, get out of here with that. Maybe he just, you know, for the for the shot, it was like, don't throw it too far because we can't, you know, we got to keep the dogs in or something, you know. Or maybe the dogs had, like, you know, bad hips. They couldn't, you know, run that much. We don't know. Like, this necessarily isn't, like, take one. This could be, like, take 102. So he could be working on a, on a you know, sore arm. But the way that he just was kind of flipping him is like he was behind his head, throwing it just enough to get his hand in the shot as he was throwing or tossing was he trying was he trying to like accentuate arm muscle in the throw i don't remember too well because maybe that was part of it it was like he does one of these the flex and then (laughs) you (laughs) You couldn't really see his arm it was just you you could see basically the side of his face and then out out of the top of the uh uh camera you could actually just see his hand just do just a quick little flick i I think the maybe the priority was just to keep the mustache in frame so tossing the ball was less important. Okay. So it's like we, as long as the mustache is lit up good and it sells it, that's all we care about. Hold that thought about the mustaches. I have notes on that later. All right. So on the news, we now have the, uh, the breaking news that uh, Russia is throwing its hat into the ring. The prize ring, that is. Um, they are now sending uh, Captain Ivan Drago... Um, into the uh, professional boxing world. I, I guess uh, up until this point, the Soviets hadn't had a professional boxer. Um, and here is uh, Ivan Drago, played by Dolph Lundgren, um, married to Ludmila uh, Drago, who is a double gold medalist in, uh, in the uh, Summer Olympics for swimming. Would have been 1984, Los Angeles. Weren't they banned from those Olympics? 
They could have been. I think they were. So it's had to be 80. Because 80, wasn't 80 when USA didn't compete? Yeah, assuming 80 was that, Moscow. Yeah, ass, 80 assuming was Moscow. This, is, this is when we're following actual timeline, kind of. Yeah. Then she would have won it in 80. They didn't get to go in 84, come to LA. And then this is whatever. I don't I guess this is a year later. Well, but, that's why she won, because the US wasn't there in 80. Yeah. There was no Janet Evans, or I don't know who was back in 80. Uh, so my whole thing most shocking about that press release was that for as decorated and as high esteemed as Drago was, that he was only a captain in the Russian military. Like, should, shouldn't he have been at least a colonel, a lieutenant colonel, a major? Like, he's only a captain? He's still kind of well, young, though. He, he is kind of young, but also if, he, uh, if he's too high of a rank, he doesn't have time to box. He's got he's to do all that administrative work. There you go. But, but that's why he has assistants. He's going to pass it off. He's going to be in the gym still, you know, doing whatever, working on his boxing. And he's going to have the... Uh, if, if, if Major Drago comes to you and says, you need to have these deadlines, these payrolls done by this day, you, you're going to tell him no? You're going to be... You're going to have, like, everybody's payroll done, like, for the whole year. Fair point, but I think because he is so young, maybe he's just out of the academy. You know, it, it does take time to rise up the ranks. So, also because they're, you know, the maybe the Russian military works differently, where it, you know the individual merit and stuff like that. So it's like we we they really want you to earn it. It's not about like all this. I, I don't know. It could be so. I, so in the navy, a captain is an O six. Whereas in the uh, Marines and the Army and the Air Force, 06 is a colonel. So he might be right up there. Yeah. Also, like, they could be to keep him humble. You could know, be. like, we, we, we don't want you to grow too much out of this and have maybe too much, inf- you know, to be outside of the influence of his handlers. So they have to suppress his rank. And and that's one way to, to, to conveniently do it. Or if he wins these next couple of matches, then he gets moved up, up the ranks. I'm I'm also picturing they don't really use his rank a lot throughout the movie. It just we know he's you know, it's sort of exposition for us. But now I'm picturing him doing like a corporate Michael where he corrects everyone, you know, every time somebody says Ivan or Drago, he's like Captain. <laughs> Captain. <laughs> just and how like badass that would have been. So, um, now that uh, we have Drago coming to the United States, uh, and he wants to fight Rocky, Apollo gets his uh, gets his ire up and says, "No, it's going to be me. It has to be me." Um, and he has the conversation with Rocky uh, and his wife and Polly um, at at Rocky's house, saying, "You know, if anyone's going to beat this chump, it's going to be me. Um, you." You have already done everything which that that you wanted to do in life. This is something that I want to do. Um, you're you're still on the top. I retired five <laughs> years ago when when you beat me um, in Rocky too. So now I want to get back out there. I want to teach this this chump everything there is to know about boxing um, by beating his ass. Mm-hmm. Rocky doesn't like this at all. Doesn't like it one bit. Right. Isn't I think this was like the exchange where um, he tells him like 
we can change who we are. If you know, if you're a if you're a fighter inside, that's what you're always gonna be. You're always gonna have the instincts of a fighter. You're gonna chase the next fight. You're gonna want to be in there for the good, the bad, whatever. And he's like, we just can't change. This is what drives us. And I thought it was like a really good uh, speech that he gave, but also it was kind of like, uh, it was a little bullshit. It was a little like, you know, like, like is your true motivation that you want to get back in or the fact that you were overlooked by Drago and, and, the, and, and his camp? Yeah. And they're sitting here watching um, their most recent fight, which was five years ago where Rocky beat him. And he's, he's, Basically saying, hey, you know, I mean, if, if you're going to, you know, be a warrior, you have to be a warrior. Um, and I'm going to be the warrior and I'm, you know, going to beat this this chump. So he, he says, you know, you're not going to do it, Rocky. I'm going to do it. And so they schedule a press conference. And that's when things start to take a little bit of a turn. Apparently, boxing press conferences are just wrestling, apparently. Because that's all, all, all that's all I was seeing. Someone cutting a promo, uh, sitting there, you know, doing his best limited fake Muhammad Ali um, with his w- little one-liners out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was about it. Then you get uh, Michael Pataki, uh, uh, Nikolai Kolkov, basically saying, "Hey, you know, sit here, you insult us, you insult." It. That's a terrible Russian accent. Kij, if you can just if you can hear me, just know that I'm sorry. Yeah, and and it's like everybody had to get in their their little jab because um, pun intended. <laughs> you know, because uh, Drago is is Captain uh, Drago. See, si, thank you, El Capitan Drago. Uh, he is not very talkative. He is there to just demonstrate the muscle, and his wife does a very good job of explaining why they're there what they hope to accomplish and what this means to them um there was no if they beat apollo it's when and then going after rocky so i thought that was really like to set her up to be the mouthpiece which i guess is similar to 1980s wrestling with the female valets of for guys that did lack the personality was you know very nostalgic for me. Well, and the way that, that Drago's character was written for this one, uh, Sylvester Stallone wanted him to play it a lot more subdued because in the past three movies, they had Apollo Creed, Loudmouth, right? You know, just sitting there bumping his gums the whole time. Apollo Creed number two, same thing. And then Clever Lang, same thing, right? Sitting there, just loud characters, sitting there bumping their gums the entire time. And he wanted to kind of turn that... Uh, 180 degrees and have someone that was the silent assassin. Uh, that's what they got out of Drago. Apparently someone that doesn't really speak. A lot Captain of Drago. Ex- excuse me. Captain Ivan Drago. Uh, I'll, I'll get that right. Um, so he wanted Captain Drago to just kind of not say anything. And he played that part to perfection. Yeah. It would be wonderful to, to have a job where, you know, you just had to sit there and somebody else speaks for you. I should look into that. So what, uh, what what Schweitz is just saying is that we're moving on to the next part here um, where we actually get into, what is this, Triller 1985? Was, this has got to be the original Triller, right? 
yes. It, um, one night only Vegas. Uh, but I think unlike Triller, they didn't outside of the fact that it was an exhibition, unsanctioned exhibition, no, nothing on the line, right? But still getting paid somehow. They didn't probably advertise that there was going to be this super awesome entry. And also people just thought it was going to be a cut and dry thing. Entrance, very limited, you know, whatever they're used to seeing. And it just blew it was up. a spectacle. Yeah, it, was, it, it, set, it set it up for the rest of time. You got Captain Drago being lifted through the stage in the ring. And then you have... All he looked the, scared. He did. He, he, he looked frightened. Whatever, whatever scared is for him, you could see um, the, the, conf, the confidence in him just dip a little bit as he was like, where the hell are these people taking me? Where am I going? Because for all he knows, this could have been like a thing where it's a spring-loaded trap and they're just like up against the wall. It, you know, it could have been a trap the whole time. Acme, uh, you know, got, got a sponsorship or something. Why they coyoted him. He also might have no concept of Las Vegas and how Las Vegas operates at that point based on where he's from and what, you know, his life experience. So that might be even more just crazy. Culture shock. Yes. Yeah. Because when, when you're in Vegas and you see showgirls, especially 1985 showgirls, um, you know, in the, in the feather hats and boas and bikinis and all bedazzled everywhere and you're bedazzling and whatever is else dazzled. Bedazzling? Um, <laughs> you've never heard of that? Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's nineteen eighty five. I'm sure everyone did it back in the eighties. Um <laughs> well, maybe we'll find out in the director's cut. It's it's a good possibility we may it's see it. some some uh, bejazzling in the forty minute extended cut <laughs> coming up here in the next month or so. Yeah, um, uh, and then of course out comes Apollo Creed. Yeah, top hat uh, in front of the golden calf. Hmm. Yep, the idol that fell. Uh oh. Spoiler alert. Um, but then we have James Brown in all of his 1985-ness, you know, godfatherness, the entire spectacle that is James Brown. Um, without that interview on CNN. Um <laughs> I look good. <laughs> God, that, that interview still cracks me up. If if I'm having a shitty day, I will just put that on. And I no longer am having a shitty day. Living in America. <laughs> can you do the whole thing for us? No, that's all I can do. Okay. I am not a singer. I am not a lover. I am not a fighter. No, I was talking about the interview. No, I remember bits and pieces. The lady just like, like, uh, yeah, you are. <laughs> uh, if you she have... got thrown off. She got thrown off so much. Yeah, if you have not seen that interview, look up James Brown interview CNN and just enjoy your next six minutes because it's glorious. Yeah. Um, so now we have uh, this fight about to kick off. We have uh, standing in the ring. Uh, I think one of the, if not um, 
most iconic mustaches that we've seen uh, so far in cinema. Uh, we have Leroy Neiman, who has been in a few movies, um, but always as like a ring announcer. Uh, and it was basically the Joe Namath show. Uh, so he was in basically just all the Rockies. Um, <laughs> he was in, yeah, 2006 Rocky Balboa, Rocky 3, Rocky 4, and then something else in 1990. That was about it. But that mustache was absolutely spectacular. The moment I saw him, I was like, please let me know, like, dear heavens above, that we're going to get a freeze frame right now before the action starts of just him, like, you know, like just the freeze shot of the mustache. Didn't get it, but I was like enthralled. It was so, it was so magnificent. But then I also was like, wait, this movie can carry two iconic mustaches and Carl Weathers and then this whoa there's actually there's actually a third um and it is actually technically (laughs) whoa whoa where'd that come from where'd that come from uh there's actually four spectacular mustaches Uh, okay let's count them down give us your top four so in no particular order or in a particular order however you feel comfortable okay number one with a bullet, Leroy Neiman, right here. That's number one. Ta-da! Number two. Uh, this one's going to go off the board a little bit. Uh, mm. This is when he is training in Russia. There is a farmer and his wife, and he has the Craig Stadler walrus mustache that just it covers up basically from the middle of his nostrils down to like his the bottom lip, and it just comes down to a about his uh, his cheekbone. It is just a spectacular mustache. If you have not seen that, go back and take a look. Uh, number three, uh, the person that meets him at the airport uh, and me- uh, gives him the instructions about his his handlers. Um, and then, of course, number four, Apollo Creed. Mm. I have to look back. I think I was still mesmerized from the ring announcer that I kind of overlooked all the other facial hair from that point um, till the end. If you Google Leroy Neiman, he is an artist who does a lot of cool paintings. Uh, Many boxing inspired. I'm holding one up right now of Rocky Balboa. Wow. uh, You can check out his art online. That's a man of many talents. That was actually pretty great. All right. Um, so now we are getting to Apollo Creed's like 48 nicknames, I think was the count. Yes. Way too many. Way too many. It reminds me of the scene in Sandlot when they're just naming all of the, uh, Babe Ruth's nicknames. They're just going back and forth with them all. The Colossus of Clout. The Colossus of Clout. Which that's a callback to the previous cinema because that was Tommy Repeater who was in My Girl. The Great Bambino. Yeah, one too many. But yeah, it was like, uh, maybe, like once again, this could also be in the director's cut where we only got, I don't know, 12 of them. So if we get the remaining nicknames that Apollo has and it just adds to the like frustration 
of Captain Drago and his camp. Because you could tell that they're just like, let's do this. We are, we didn't come here for all this, you know, frills and the side show. We came here to fight. So how many nicknames do you guys have? Does anyone, or do you have nicknames? Just the one. That's it. Uh, my, my name has been said on uh, on this podcast, I think, one actual time, um, I think by Sarah Spain, which I probably beeped out uh, during the editing process. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have any. I don't think my Twitter uh, handle account has a nickname. So, but I mean, if I ever get if I ever get one, I guess uh, I'd have to. You know, get a get a satin robe, have it embroidered. I'll take it to Lou. You can embroider for me, and I'll wear it around the house. I like it. So then, it was incredibly telling where he didn't know that they. I, maybe not so telling that he didn't know they had to touch gloves before the fight as a sign of good sportsmanship. And then when Apollo does it, and it's like hitting, I guess, cinder blocks. There was no movement, and how it was just like. Oh shoot! And you could see in that moment where he's kind of like, I think I bit off more than I can chew, but I can probably still do something. It's an he probably was like falling back on like this is an exhibition. It's not a real fight, you know. It's it's not going to be as uh, as intense as a sanctioned fight. Yeah, and <laughs> and the I guess the words that uh, Captain Drago says. I must break you. Um, yeah, that, that, that'll, that'll kind of put the fear of God in you. Yeah, and then, you know, it also reflects in his wife when she's going to her seats and he sees Apollo's wife and she's like, uh, she, you know, she's like, I hope we can be friends after this. And she's like, so do I. It's Bless like your heart. Yeah, I'm like, oh, oh. yeah, that's not going to happen, lady. Not Not even a little bit. Uh, so I was going back here and I found uh, all of his nicknames, at least what is actually said uh, in this one. Uh, so in the blue corner, weighing 221 pounds, former heavyweight champion of the world, nicknamed the Dancing Destroyer, the King of Sting, the Count of Monte Fisto, which um, that yeah. that's that's a very problematic one there. Um <laughs> <laughs> the master of disaster, the one, the only Apollo Creed. And then in the red corner, weighing in an even 261 pounds, gold medalist, an undefeated world amateur champion of the Soviet Union, nicknamed the Siberian Bull, Ivan Drago. Captain Ivan Drago. That's not in here. Cap Captain's Cap, not one of his nicknames. Well, it's his rank. It's not like, you know, it's not like Captain Crunch. Captain America. Captain, Captain Crunch is actually an admiral. Well, why is he going down in rank? Uh, based on his uniform, he's, I think he's actually an admiral. It's because Big Serial uh, doesn't want to pay him like an admiral. That's mm, why. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, or he's got busted down in rank. That's all it was. It's for cutting the roof of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um so now we uh, we get into the uh, the actual fight here, and first first round Apollo comes out guns blazing right he's he's hitting them with with everything except except for the kitchen sink, uh, rights lefts jabs hooks everything not even not even making a dent 
not at all. And Captain Drago flips a switch and just lays into him and does it for the rest of the first round. And let me tell you, Apollo is stunned. Yeah, so was I. Um, I think that first round may have actually been like a, was it two, two to three minutes? So it gave you the whole intensity right there. And you you could, you know, it's so early on in the movie, you're going to tell, like, this is not going to go a full 12, 10, whatever. This is going to get cut short because this is a lot of crap to endure. Yeah. If, if they're scoring off a 10-point must system like like they do now in boxing uh, and MMA, I would say that's that's a 10-8 round for sure. Just mm-hmm. the amount of punishment and, and the amount of ring control that, that Captain Drago uh, presented there against Apollo, that's that, that's a 10-8 round for sure. Yes. Um, but this one should have been stopped after that first round because he hit a ref, and that's that's disqualification right there. So the rest of the fight shouldn't have even happened. Yeah. So so are you saying that the ref was on the take? Yes. By the Russian? Oh, okay, so he was fought. 100%. Wow. Re- reckless of speculation, yes. He was on the take. Just to be able to make the rest of the film. Who can Just you like trust, man? Can't trust anybody. Can't trust him. <laughs> Can't do it. Don't do it. I care about you. I care about you. <laughs> um, so now we're here in between rounds, and Apollo is busted up. He is in some pretty bad shape, and Rocky's saying, "Hey, man, I, I got to stop this. This is not. This is not going well for us. You got nothing else to prove. You got in here with him. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna call the fight." And Apollo begs and pleads, whatever you do, man, don't don't stop the fight. Do not throw in the towel. I'm begging you. I'm, promise me you won't do it. Um, that's a promise that uh, Rocky unfortunately kept. Uh, Spoiler alert, he should have thrown in the towel. He should have thrown in the damn towel. Throw the damn towel. Yeah, Duke pleading with Rocky to throw in the towel here in the second round. Um, and he didn't do it. And one last uh, devastating uh, hook from Captain Drago uh, puts Apollo on the mat for good. Mm-hmm. Puts, a, puts him six feet under. That's what it does. And and I get it. Like this, um, you know, the end, the end of the match is just so, you know, seeing him collapse and the people speculating. But... Where the hell were the security to keep all these people from rushing the ring? They're yelling, get an ambulance, get a doctor. And you have, you know, the four channels that only existed back in 85. They're all in there with their 100-pound cameras and all these spectators and looky-loos. None of them were, were there to assist. They were just there, you know, to try to get into the camera shots and, and, and interfere with whatever's going on. And it's like, where the hell was security? I hope they filed the lawsuit later on for all of that, because that was just unconscionable. Yeah. And apparently one of those four networks was USA network. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that USA network existed back in 1985, but apparently it did. did, And I'm sure their lineup was, you know, burn notice and uh, Royal pains. So, would the Nevada Gaming Commission or the whoever would oversee any of these 
uh, events just be in such hot water because they just let somebody die on, uh, you know, the, the ref can try to stop the fight. Like, there's a lot of problems there that just resulted in someone's death on television. I'm not even sure how that stuff gets investigated. If it's like there's a waiver, you know, like, hey, you you know, you kind of know that these are possibilities of when you do this activity and you don't hold us liable. But there has to be probably a point where it's like some caution, some precautions were exercised. And if they had a really good lawyer back in the day that could break down that contract, they could probably... I busted him down, but um, I, I guess not. We'll never know. We'll never yeah, know. We'll never know. Only the on, the ref, if we could get that guy on the record, where you know he has to have a sit down with um, Bob Costas, maybe or Roar Firestone. They probably would be able to Ryan get to Gumbel. the bottom. <laughs> yes, get to the it's bottom. A, it's, a, it's a real sports episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so apparently in. Uh, in the aftermath of that uh, knockout that ended up uh, killing uh, Apollo, Carl Weathers um, added in that little uh, flinch, the little kind of shake or whatever. Uh, and apparently it kind of uh, fooled the actual, the actual uh, onset doctor. Cause they thought he was actually hurt um, during that, his little. The kick out. Yeah. That we're familiar with from wrestling. Exactly. Uh, his, Spasm, spasm, Convul- yes. Convulsion, the, the, yeah. The the convulsion, the spasms uh, that actually fooled the onset doctor, and they thought he was actually hurt. Um, they had to go back in uh, and re reshoot that scene because the doctor actually rushed in. Mm. Yeah, how about that? Well, Carl Weathers is an amazing actor, and he even teaches classes. Classes, excuse me, as we've learned on Arrested Development. So, if you guys want to. Take an acting class from Carl Weathers. You can. Mustache not included. Put a bone in there. You got a soup going. <laughs> Speaking of bones, now that uh, now that we're moving past uh, his life, we are now putting his bones into uh, into atonement uh, for eternity. Um, and this. Uh, this funeral scene kind of kind of got me a little bit, you know, because I had grown up watching the the Rocky series. This is one of the few movies that I was able to to watch uh, as a kid growing up, and every time that this happened, I you know a little little piece of me died uh, along with uh, along with Apollo, um, and now we go into yet another Rocky montage uh, where he is just traveling the streets uh, at night, driving his car. Uh, and this one is, uh, I think, one of the better songs on this soundtrack. This is uh, the "No Easy Way Out," um, as as he's rolling uh, rolling down the street, kind of just remembering his life with uh, with Apollo Creed. Um, and during this time, he comes to the uh, the realization that you know what, I've got to go avenge my best friend's death. Um, I'm going to go face the Russian. Um, so- so is his thought there that he's going to kill Drago? Because like there isn't really, it's there is no avenging there. There's no easy way out. Hmm. There's no shut crut home. His heart was on fire. That's later on. That's later on. Damn. 
Um, so when he comes home, he has a, a very real and very heart to heart, honest conversation with, uh, with Adrian. Um, you know, all the talk that, uh, was going on before about, you know, people can't change. They are, they are what they are. Uh, and, and I'm a fighter. I'm a warrior. I can't change. Um, you know, you can't change. They can't change. We can't change. Um, but spoiler alert, people change. Maybe. Can they? I don't know. Yes. Maybe. No. Yes. Maybe. Oh. No. <laughs> so now we have another press conference after, um, a little bit of a mini montage, uh, where we see all these press clippings of Rocky Balboa being stripped of his world championship belt. Um, and part of this is actually, from my understanding, going to be in the new director's cut because uh, some of this was actually taken out. During this little section here, he is going before uh, the boxing commission and they're saying, hey, if you actually accept this fight, you're going to be stripped of the title. You're going to relinquish all of your heavyweight titles um, because we cannot sanction this bout. We cannot allow you to take this fight. Um, but if you take it, then you're getting stripped. He's like, you know what? I don't, I don't want it anyway. Um, take my, take my belt, take everything. I'm, I'm going to go fight him anyway. Um, and that part of, wasn't actually in this one, but I've, I've got a good feeling we're going to see a little bit of these scenes in the uh, director's cut coming out in about a month. And also in, in that particular montage, we get um, what I would call um uh, the like a useless sound montage where it's all these people speculating about Captain Drago, and there was a Drago is for real. So I wish that earlier when when he was calling out uh, Rocky and Apollo, that there sh there should have been somebody that should have done that. Is Drago for real? And then we would have had the bookend of like, yeah, he is for real. So they were treating him like the Raiders at one point. Imagine that. <laughs> that's a that's a great that's a great call there it's a great note um so now we have our fight set which is going to be christmas in russia oh christmas yeah um the whitest some some uh kind of timeline notes here uh that, that just kind of sparked in my head when we were talking about christmas um when they were doing the, the first announcement that uh, Captain Drago was coming to the United States, um, the sports broadcaster says, now we'll look at uh, pro football scores, which it looked pretty summery uh, when he's at the pool throwing the, uh, um, the tennis balls or, or flicking the balls to his dog, talking about pro football scores. Um, and then I... It never actually says when the Apollo and Drago fight was. Um, so I'm going to assume it could have been like September, October, um, because in the press clippings there, when they're talking about Rocky uh, being stripped of his title, the actual uh, news article is about the 1985 World Series talking about the Cardinals and the Royals. So I guess the timeline kind of does fit because the announcement came there in October and he's going to be fighting in December. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't you need more time though? You would think so. I guess if you're going to train on a mountain, you don't. Yeah. And since it's completely unsanctioned and, you know, uh, according to Rocky, he doesn't need any more sparring. So he just needs to go lift some rocks. Ease. 
<laughs> bad joke. There are no such thing as bad jokes. Just people without a, a sense of humor to appreciate them. Thank you. Well, I know I know a lot of those people. <laughs> <laughs> There's like 30 of them in our chat. All right. So when Rocky goes to Russia, how long do you think it takes for Adrian to send him divorce papers? Because in real life, that no way. It's got to be pretty quick, but, you know, she's got a lot of love for him. They, they've been through a lot. They were in a rundown shack of an apartment in Rocky 1. Uh, I mean, they've been through thick and thin. I don't think those papers are coming anytime soon. And I he caught him taking the fight. Yeah, she found out because all the like news crews were on her property, like she, you know, and total invasion of, of, of her, you know, they were just there putting the cameras in her face. They were just, that's how she found out. Cause somebody was like, what do you think that he took the fight? That I just said, what are you talking about? Get off my property. You're going to call the police. She was like super scared. And then she confronts them after the fact that, why did you do this? Like, you can't win the super dramatic, like you can't win. Yeah. And also, like you guys said, that's a deep-seated love because I saw a bit of a scene from Rocky One, or the where, where they met, and or from that montage when he's driving, and you know she used to be kind of like an ugly duckling type, so he looked past that to see the actual heart of gold that she has, that her feelings were genuine for him. She wasn't like a groupie or anything at the gym, so they had actual they have actual love. So it's she stood by him through all this, you know, all this stuff that he's gone through. To be fair, his vision's always blurry because he's been punched in the face. <laughs> Why are there three Adrians? <laughs> Hit the one in the middle. <laughs> don't no, don't do that. No, no. Uh, what, whatever, whatever you do, kiss do the not, one in the middle. Yeah, kiss the one yeah. in the middle. Kiss the one. Love in the, middle. the one in the middle. Yes. Yes. Hug the one in the middle. So they only have one kid, huh? He was going after the one on the left. <laughs> it's like a foursome everywhere he goes. Wow. Why do we have so many robots? I only bought one. Why are there three? Uh, all right. So we are, we're now in, in Russia. I, uh, and they're driving out to the middle of nowhere um to this isolated cabin in the uh in the mountains and the i i'm gonna say the the ural mountains because that's gonna be i think the closest mountain range to to moscow um which from about where this is supposed to take place it's like a 10 hour drive to moscow that's a that's a hell of a hike and also who knew that the mercedes was so perfectly crafted to not only work but thrive in the Siberian conditions because I thought if they're picking you up and there's like three feet of snow it has to be like a military vehicle that's transporting you it has to be some sort of a monster truck with gigantic chains no it was just a Mercedes and a guy that knew how to get there that's it well and and Schweitz can attest this that's why you have the the, uh, the snow tires that's why you have the snow chains that's right. Yeah. We, we, we don't have roads anymore, just chains. Just grind all those roads up. <laughs> so we're getting to the, uh, we got to the cabin, um, and Uncle Polly has joined him. 
Uh, and his his complaint is there's no antenna. How am I going to watch the Rose Bowl game? Well, hey, Pauly, uh, the Rose Bowl game is on January 1st, okay? Uh, in fact, in 1985, um, there were two, three, four, four bowl games that happened before Christmas, uh, the California Bowl, the Cherry Bowl, the Independence Bowl, and the Holiday Bowl. So which of those four are you really that invested in, Polly? Who were the sponsors that year? Well, that's a great question. Uh, the Holiday Bowl was actually on the USA Network. What? <laughs> yeah, as was the Cherry Bowl. Um, and the the, uh, the Hollywood Bowl was on December 22nd at Jack Murphy Stadium there in sunny San Diego. And that featured Arkansas defeating Arizona State by a score of 18 to 17. Go Hogs. Yeah. A wampin. But I thought, so if he's saying, like, how am I going to watch the Rose Bowl? Which I caught and I laughed. I thought, does he think that regardless? Well, he's assuming that he's going to lose. So does he think that they're going to be like detained uh, by the Russian authorities after the match? Like they're going to try to like ransom them in order to return to the United States. So he's fearing like, if you don't win, we're not going to be able to get back. And they're going to hold us here. And we're going to need the president to get us the hell out of here and continue this, we're going to be pawned in this Cold War. No, Polly is not smart enough to think like that. I think he just figured out that he's switching time zones, and that means time does not work the same anymore. So His robot probably told him that and probably had to explain time zones to him before he left. I've got a note about time zones here in a little bit as well, so hold on to that one. Um, and just... FYI, the Rose Bowl that uh, that season, uh, UCLA defeated Iowa forty-five to twenty-eight. About time they won at the Rose Bowl. They hardly yeah. ever get those victories. <laughs> I was just trying to let the joke sit there. I was just trying to let it sit. There. Um, all right, so now we get to uh, to yet another montage uh, of training. Um, we see kind of a, a dual montage here of uh, Rocky doing his. Um, outside uh, training and we see Drago doing his uh, new high tech training, uh, which some of these uh, training apparatuses, apparati, apparatuses, apparatuses, apparatuses look like there was something out of uh, American gladiator. Right. So you had the little, the little ski climber. So once I got probably into my twenties, anytime I watch that scene, the first thing that jumps out to me, is like, how does he work out in this room with that lighting? Because it is just such like 80s like club lighting. It's like, how is that comfortable to work out in? Like, it's just so red and yellow and weirdly bright. It's Russian. It's Russian. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just, I just, uh, I can't imagine being in that gym. So what I, when I was watching that and I was comparing the the rustic training to the modernistic 1985 training that uh, Captain Drago was going through. Every time I saw Captain Drago, I'm like, this must be what Alex Guerrero's lab is like. And this is what Brady goes through every time they have a session. You mean the steroids? And then I saw the needle and I was like, hmm. Makes sense. Confirmed. Makes sense. (laughs) Um, Also, do you guys think there was a point where, you know. needle point? (laughs) 
to show off for the the Russians, right? Uh, the heads of state of Russia and also for the media. I thought, I wonder if there was a point where the handler may have paid the um, computer tech to just be like, put up any number, start off at 1800, 1700, and then build up to the 22, whatever. And that might not actually even be real. He could be always just consistently be hitting at a 1300, but it's a rigged game. Because I'm like, how can we really trust the Russians that, oh, it's getting stronger and stronger every time? They could just be like automatically programmed to give you an increased value. And that shit could be super fake. And to me, that was even more confirmed when he got the jab, when, when he got the injection of whatever the heck that was. Yeah. Nikolai Kolkov said in uh, an earlier press conference that the average heavyweight averages uh, 700 pounds uh, per square inch for punch. Um, and Drago's hitting like 2,100 on this. So, yeah. yeah, That doesn't make sense. Those numbers aren't no. adding up. We need to have – what they needed to do was bring in the UN regulators. Correct. And, 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 and have Someone their own – from the cal- IOC needs to come in, actually Calibrate the system. Yeah, exactly. you, take, you take in the – like you go and you bring in the wimpiest person and you have them hit the machine – so it's like the machine at the bar that it's like how the, the, the knockout. I was just going to ask, is this the precursor? Is Did somebody invent that machine at the bar because of this movie? Yeah. Yes. And it's like, and if, you know, over here, like, you know, the scrawny Russian kid uh, hits it and he gets a 2200, then it's like, hmm, something's amiss. Something is definitely amiss. So now we continue on with our, our dual montages and... Apparently, it's been calculated that in Rocky Four, thirty-one, almost thirty-two percent of this movie is all montage. <laughs> almost thirty-two percent of this movie is montage, which means they shot a ridiculous amount of film. Yeah, uh, and the second half of the film, so the last forty-five minutes, uh, it's basically fifty percent montage. Montage, montage, talking about. Montage. 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 All right. That was great. That was wonderful. You can uh, clip that and use that for future episodes <laughs> if there's montage. Talk. Yeah, that, that's that's all we're going to do. Um, so now we see a very bearded Sylvester Stallone, which I got to say, he should have kept the beard. Should have kept the beard. Also, are we Doesn't- saying he could grow that beard in a month? How long is it supposed to be now? Two months? A month? So if we're going off of the timeline that he went up around the middle to end of October, I would say we're probably around six or seven weeks. Yeah, that's proof he has steroids in his body if his beard's grown like that. Yeah. Or the the Russian weather just kind of does that to you. And isn't... isn't, um, I'm I'm unfamiliar, so you guys can correct me. You should see his back. (laughs) <laughs> isn't the like if they have facial hair isn't it supposed to like soften the impact of taking a punch because you have like another layer um of, of quote-unquote protection on your face i don't know the last time i got punched i didn't have a beard so <laughs> i don't know i think i heard that somewhere it might just be like a like a one of those it kind of sounds like it could be, but it's not. So I, I don't know. If well, you're the, getting 
punched at the rate that Rocky is, I don't think it. You're getting punched at twenty two hundred. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think that beard's really doing anything to help. Yeah, and if, if that is true, then we need to get Christy in the ring immediately and just kind of test out this theory and just see what happens. <laughs> so I. One of the things that I really enjoyed from the training montage was when he helps the Russian farmer with his, um, that, that his cart turned over and it's a, is it a plow or just a cart? He's just like, yeah, so they're going into town for their supplies and he sees that their cart turned over. He helps them ride it. They seem appreciative of it. And then he continues with his training. So it it seemed like, you know, he's still a good-hearted man. He's not letting all of this uh, propaganda get in the way of what he would normally do. Yeah. Um, and as he comes back from uh, from that run, uh, who should meet him at the house is Yo Adrian, tear. At least, at least one tear. One teardrop tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be for Because he for the killed cat. Apollo by not throwing him down. Wow. Wow. Schweitz, really? That, that's where you went with that? Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, so now we're, we get back into more training, and uh, he starts lifting uh, people in a cart. He lifts up uh, Polly and Adrian and Duke uh, in this cart, and I think that, that's the final push there. Uh, and conversely, we see uh, Drago uh, doing a nice little overhand press um, or overhead press, and if he's using just normal uh, normal weights, uh, that's 445 pounds um, that mm-hmm. he's that he's using on that on that press, or excuse me, 455 pounds, and just assuming that he's using the standard plates, which that's that's a hell of a lift. Doesn't mean doesn't matter if it's you know chemically aided or not. That's yeah, that's pretty beastly. I'm looking up the world record for the overhead press because I am just curious right now. So this is the montage when he climbs the mountain, right? Correct. So do you guys think while he was doing this, that's where he kind of drew the inspiration for Cliffhanger? <laughs> yep. It's like, it's like, I already see the helicopter over there taking the shots. Like, what if we had to rescue somebody? <laughs> or maybe, or maybe he was rescued. Maybe in one of those we don't know. He he needed rescuing, and that kind of started the whole thing of developing cliffhanger. So the current world record for overhead press is just over two hundred twelve kilograms, or just over four hundred and sixty-seven pounds. So it must have been a world record back then. Oh yeah. Also. If you were training and climbed a mountain, I'd be so upset when I got to the top that I have to come back down because coming down can be just as just as difficult. Yeah, it's got to be hairy, especially in those boots that he was wearing. Those yeah. aren't like normal hiking boots. Those are just, hey, it's cold. I'm going to wear some some fashionable Uggs. Yeah, because yeah, then sure. you you have the momentum. So going down, as we know for the you know if you've ever walked downhill of anything, if you start take the wrong step, you're going to eat it. And I don't, and I think if he would have like fallen and hurt himself, they wouldn't have delayed that fight. It's like, you're showing up. If you only have one good arm, that's how you're going to fight. Well, the, the other part of that is if you're 
a bit heavier and you're walking downhill like that, it pinches your toes because you sort of slide forward in your shoes a little bit, pinches the front. Happened on my honeymoon. We went for a hike and we had to walk downhill uh, a large portion. And like my feet were like the front of my toes were all just in so much pain by the end of that day. So he's not doing himself any favors. Mm-mm. He's not Jerry Rice. He shouldn't be climbing that mountain. Toe talk. He also went by himself. So if he would have encountered any type of emergency, there would have been absolutely no one to help him. Because is this when he ditched the yeah. the, 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 the informants? The yeah. Yeah. So he ditched them. So nobody would have been able to help him. They they wouldn't. I mean, I think they would have had to have gone to find him because he meant a lot to Captain Drago's, um, you know, the the whole propaganda of East versus West. So they would have found him in some sort of a state, and that's what they would have brought back to fight him. Yeah, they did not do a do a good job in handling Rocky. Not even a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like if, if I was their boss, fired on the spot. And being fired in 1985 USSR, that means execution, my friend. Whoa, dark. We went there. We went there. There, there's no, there's no write up. There's no verbal warning. There is no. Um, you have to show up so many Saturdays for training to how not to lose someone that you're handling. There's no recertification. It's automatic execution in the town square. Teardrop tattoos for everyone. <laughs> so now we get into the actual bout itself here, uh, and we enter this arena that is uh, enclosed by chain links and, and gates and fences and just an absolutely hostile crowd um, awaits Rocky Balboa as he enters the, uh, the arena. Yeah, not a friendly face to be seen for the most part. And that has to just, that's just a total like psychological mind fuck right there to just hear all of that evilness like come at you all the vitriol oh it's a lot of a lot of aggressive looking big fat white faces uh staring you in the face and Mm -hmm. a lot of white faces a lot of them Mm -hmm. um so now we get into this ridiculously elaborate patriotic ceremony the the soviet general secretary is there the the politburo is there um and obviously this is just a home field advantage to the max um and we get into it and captain drago does not hold back so in the first bout with apollo he kind of just you know played a little defense played you know was kind of passive in this one Guns blazing right out of the gate. Um, and Rocky takes an absolute pounding here in this first round. Um, kind of goes a little bit on the offensive near the end of it, but doesn't really do much damage. Uh, and this is where we get the line. Um, you know, I'm seeing three of them out there. And Polly says, well, hit the one in the middle, uh, which is actually uh, a callback to uh, the – 1930-something fight uh, between uh, Max Max Bear and Max Schmeling. Uh, it was a heavyweight fight back in June 1933. Um, Max Bear was was not groggy by, by Schmeling, uh, and he sees, I, I see three of them out there. And then uh, ex-champ uh, ex Jack Dempsey, who is actually in Max Bear's corner, 
um, uh, said, uh, well, hit the one in the middle. And that was uh, probably one of the most famous fights he actually did. This is one of the most famous fights uh, in history because this was uh, a Jewish man facing off against a German in 1933. And uh, Max Baer uh, um, defeated the German Max Schmeling. Didn't have any Schmeling salts. So this part, when he said that, it reminded me of um, last year during the NBA Finals when LeBron, um, I think he got poked in the eye, and he said the same thing, that he saw three um, basketball hoops, and that uh, when he had to take free throws or something, and he's just like, I just saw for the one in the middle. So it just reminded me of that, and it was like... LeBron's a big fan of USA Network. (laughs) It's pretty well known. So I was just like, this thing has just been stretched across the decades into just, you know, sports uh, parlance. And it, it meant a lot less to me when LeBron said it. It meant a little bit more when I heard Polly say it. So, yeah, I think it's the, 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 the chalky voice, the really thick voice that he has. It just adds to the to the importance of it. Yeah, anytime there's someone with, with a very thick, smoky accent, it does mean a lot more. Yeah. Scarlett Especially- Johansson, for example. Prime example. <laughs> that, that must have been how she won the lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, obviously, the, the rest of this fight kind of goes on. Um Exactly the way that the first round has. Uh, Drago was a real he man. Captain. Captain. Captain <laughs> um, yeah, so they, they start uh, just kind of beating the hell out of each other. And Rocky finally draws blood. He is a man. He bleeds. It's the first blood. Not the last. Not the last blood. blood. That he, no. There's always more blood. Or first blood part two, but just first blood. There is always more blood, uh, and we see a lot of blood here uh, in in the rest of this fight. And they just kind of go back and forth. Uh, he was training. like a piece of iron. It's one of my favorite lines. Yeah, uh, I the the conversation between uh, Rocky in his corner and Drago in his corner. Excuse me, Captain Drago in his corner mirror each other. He is a man. He does bleed. He's not a man. He's not a machine. That that was actually kind of kind of cool, nice writing there, Sly. I appreciate it. Maybe he he didn't know which draft he was looking at. Is this the first draft, the second draft, the third draft? He didn't know where he put the good lines. Looked at the one in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So, around the twelfth round or so, as as Rocky has gotten up for about the thirty fourth time off the mat. You can kind of start to hear some uh, some Rocky chants going on through the crowd. Um, they start to become very, very pro-Rocky. Um, Those people are taken out and executed as soon as they uh, they do that, right? In re- like, if that was real life. They, they no, are placed and- right next to the handlers, um, and they're just lined up. Yeah, it's like, hey, Premier Limited Fake Gorbachev wants to wants us to let you know that you want a voucher for some free beer. So come over here to the concourse, buddy. And that's how they pluck him out of the crowd. Because he was, Limited Fake Gorbachev was not happy with the crowd turning. Not one bit. 
not even one iota. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get to the we get to the fifteenth round here. We get to the the last round, uh, and both of these guys have given everything they had, and one more one more big blow there from Rocky knocks down uh, Captain Drago. He cannot answer the tenth bell. He is down for the count. Rocky wins, jumps up in the air, uh, and just falls down to the mat, screaming, yelling, crying. Um, the place is going nuts. Everyone is is chanting Rocky's name. His kid is at home watching the fight, just going nuts with his friends and and uh, the the sicko robot. Um, and we get to the the post fight conference here the post fight press conference um as he is talking through an uh, through an interpreter um in a very very touching moving uh moving speech there right and at, at this point it was uh like i i was just like how how can he even still talk like this is where you know Mrs. Drago was a luxury and a benefit because she could convey stuff. So I'm like, this is where he would have should have had somebody speak for him, some very basic and trite talking points about, you know, living in America, American dream, you know, did it for did it for Apollo, R.I.P., rest in power, my friend. So for him to be able to talk is just like. Give him another belt. Make up another belt for just being able to like deliver that speech under those conditions. Yeah, I mean, if I can change, you can change. We can all change. You ended the Cold War. Like that is the legacy of this movie. Just uh, what four years later, the Cold War was over, and uh, Sylvester Stallone and his movie, or what we, how we, uh, how we solved it. Yeah, solved the Cold War. Uh, and a lot, a lot from that speech, he's kind of mirroring what he and Adrian were saying uh, in the stairwell before he went to Russia about changing and how people don't change, people can't change. Well, during this fight, I've seen a lot of change in the way you feel about me and the way I feel about you. You know. But I think the isn't I think it goes back to his son before he left for the trip, Rocky Junior. Before he told me, he's like, everybody Road can jail. change. <laughs> he, that, that was like a bit of advice that the kid gave him. He's like, everybody can change because he had self-doubt. He's like, I don't think I can. Or like when he was talking about what is he, why does he fight? What does he feel? And how he tells him how he was sometimes scared. and But he also likes getting hit. And the kid told him, like, everybody can change. Great advice from Rojo. The kid is wise beyond his years. Maybe. I don't know. I think maybe. so. You know, I mean, I haven't seen the other Rocky, so maybe like he does some dumb stuff in later years. Well, he doesn't really show up much in number three. Uh, he's got a pretty decent role in, in number five and, of course, in, in Rocky Balboa. Um, so a a timeline thing here that doesn't really make sense about, about this fight here at Christmas day. I said, we're going to kind of hang on to this. So obviously we're seeing nighttime at home. He's talking about, Hey, uh, this is to my, my kid. You better be at home sleeping. Um, so it's gotta be at least what? 10 o'clock at night, something, uh, in Philadelphia. Uh, if that were true, then it would be 6am 
uh, December 26th when this fight was taking place. Uh, but if it was what I'm assuming is probably a, a nice starting time for a fight, a little 7 p.m. tilt on December 25th, 1985, uh, in Moscow, it would have been 11 a.m. on Christmas Day back in Philly. So something really doesn't make sense there. Yeah, it's possible because um, I watched the Ali documentary um, that was on PBS. And when he fought uh, Rumble in the Jungle, that was four, yeah in Zaire, that was 4 a.m. in Zaire. So that it could be, um, I guess, prime time in the United States. And since the fight took place inside of a missile warehouse with absolutely we couldn't tell what time betas that could have been it too you know um it could have been uh, a super early or in the day um right there in russia time works differently in russia so yeah that, that, that's how you miss the rose bowl all right let's get into some trivia here uh for this movie so uh, during the fight between Rocky and uh, and Drago, uh, Dolph Lundgren actually hit him so hard uh, that he actually got hurt very badly and had to be taken to the hospital. Um, they decided, hey, we're actually going to you know trade some real blows here. Um, and he took a shot to the ribs. Uh, he felt a burning in his chest but ignored it. Later that night, he had this difficulty breathing and was taken to a nearby emergency room discovered that his blood pressure was over 200 and he had to be flown on a low altitude flight from Canada, St. John's hospital in Santa Monica, where he made an intensive care for four days. He was in intensive care for four days after taking a punch from Dolph Lundgren. But could he speak? No. Um, apparently what happened was uh, he was hit so hard that his heart had slammed up against his breastbone and it began to swell up and it cut off the blood supply and restricted the oxygen flow through his body. So he almost died filming this movie, not from the mountain running, not from almost falling off a cliffhanger, but fighting in the ring against Dolph Lundgren. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, and speaking of Dolph Lundgren and, and fighting, um, when he was fighting uh, Carl Weathers, they actually did not get along at all. Uh, Carl Weathers was apparently pretty uh, pretty upset that uh, Drago was taking his uh, shots a little bit too seriously, and he was actually hitting him a little bit harder than he would have liked to be. Um, apparently, uh, Dun- uh, Dungan... <laughs> 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 Dolph Lundgren threw Weathers into the corner of the boxing ring. After that, Weathers shouted profanities at Lundgren, leaving the ring and announced that he was calling his agent and quitting the movie. Um, Sylvester Stallone forced the two actors to reconcile uh, so the movie could continue. Uh, this actually caused a four-day work stoppage while Weathers was uh, talked back into the part and Lundgren uh, agreed to tone down his aggressiveness. So Lundgren almost killed this movie three ways. I wonder what the root cause of this additional anger and animosity by Dolph could have been. That's the needle point of this entire uh, entire trivia. HGH will never know. Uh, I think that is going to wrap it up here. Let's go ahead and get everyone's... Uh, 
um, final reviews here. Uh, is this going to be a yeah, a meh, or a feh? Uh, Jeanette, I'll start with you. Well, as I said earlier, this is the first time I've ever seen this movie. So I've heard of it. I've come across it while channel surfing USA Network. I've never thought to stop on it because I didn't know which Rocky was which, you know, which action happens and which one. So to actually see it and to become invested in, in the propaganda and how, you know, I thought it was less about promoting the U.S. and it was a more global look about how we need to be understanding towards other nations. That's what I took from it. I could be wrong, but that's what I took from it. Even though at the end the USA wins, it's still about we have to look at ourselves and see the things that we do that cause people not to like us and then trying to build better relationships with those people. I don't know. That That's what I took from it. And I also loved all of the patriotic stuff that kind of went with it. So if it's like maybe next 4th of July, we can get this in there and it'll be great. So I'm giving this a yeah. Rewatch you know, USA, USA. All right. Schweitz, what about you? I will also be giving it a yeah, because, you know, it's one of those movies. I don't know how many times I've watched it all the way through, but I've seen, you know, if it's on TV, I tend to turn it on, watch the the final fight scene at least, or watch the training montages. Um, You know, it's corny, but it's very uh, iconic in, in pop culture. It's, um, quoted it's talked about it's referenced a lot in things and uh that's enough i will enjoy it for those reasons what about you beep i am gonna make this a unanimous yeah uh this has been one of my favorite movies uh since i was a kid Uh, i grew up very sheltered uh i was only allowed to watch um news pbs sports and jeopardy growing up Uh, But once a week, we were able to rent a movie from our local Albertsons or Smith's or whatever grocery store. Uh, And the two movies that I would rent repeatedly were Karate Kid and Rocky IV. Like I would alternate one of those two movies every single time. Uh, I I can't even count how many times I've seen this movie. Um, But yes, this one still, even... You know, 35 years later, this one gets an absolute yeah from me. Uh, I cannot wait to see the director's cut to see um, what else is going to be out there and to see the removal of Sicko the Robot. Um, yeah. I hope they just update it and put in a more modern looking robot. The new Amazon robot dog? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. That'd be, that'd be awesome. Um we, we would love to hear what you guys think about this one here. Um, let us know uh, in our Apple podcast uh, with a five-star review. Uh, let us know, yeah, meh, or fe, or let us know uh, in the comments here on this thread. Um, what movie are we doing next time? I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. Um, we have to input it to um, the Russian computers and see what it spits back. And hopefully we can translate it in time. And that's going to do it for this episode of Lauer After Hours Presents Cinema Rocky Four. Thanks a lot, guys. We'll talk to you next time.
Thanks for listening to this episode of Lauer After Hours. You can always reach us on Twitter at Lauer After Hours or Instagram at Lauer After Hours. We're available wherever you get podcasts, so don't forget to download, subscribe, review, and rate five stars. 